Hey there, Giant Robots listeners. Before we get started, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about today's sponsor, Hired.com. Hired is a platform for top developer and designer jobs. Developers get an average of five offers on the platform, all with one application. You get job offers and salary equity information up front before you interview, so you don't have to waste time interviewing for jobs you might not end up wanting. Hired has top companies on the platform like Facebook, Uber, and Stripe. They have full-time and contract opportunities available, and it's totally free for candidates looking for jobs. Now, listeners of Giant Robots get a $2,000 bonus if they sign up using the show's link, which you can get by going to Hired.com slash Giant Robots, all one word. So, check them out. Our Wi-Fi is slow because of the Because of weather. the rain. You would think getting internet from a laser would help, but it doesn't. It sounds like the future and sounds so cool. It does. It's it terrible. seems cool, but here we are. Laser internet, boo. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at ThoughtBot. I run an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, run Upcase, our subscription learning platform for aspiring web developers. Hi, Ben. Hi. How are you? I'm good. You look fresh, like you've been in the Vegas sun. (laughs) I actually spent almost no time outside i just probably got like 11 minutes of sunshine wow. during the entire trip because that's how and that's what the casinos want it right this like, is true they're built for you stay inside and like i walked there was a thing where i walked maybe it was like 100 yards to a different hotel building but mm-hmm. part of the same company and there was a guy like oh don't there's a there's a sky tube they called it which just means <laughs> there's a walkway you don't want to go out and breathe that fresh air yeah it's tainted with desert sand and it, you got to be careful exactly it's like yeah. there's there's sun out there so if you yep. want the sky tube that's over there but I also did not gamble, so no sun, no gambling, but lots of... None of the things you're supposed to do in Vegas, although I guess they do a lot of conferences out in Vegas. It's yeah. not weird that that happens. No, definitely not. But... Tons of conferences. Well, yeah, you, you went on an adventure, so that will probably be most of your update this week. Yes. I figure what we can do is uh, I'll sum up upcase land things, and I'll, I'll try and go a little bit shorter, uh, because I'm interested in hearing all about MicroConf. Tell me about uh, upcase. So, upcase... This week, a couple of small things, a bunch of small things, nothing big, no banner items, but I'm actually pretty okay with that. Uh, And the reason is I I kind of like the gradual march of progress that we're on. We've Mm. picked some things that we've decided to do, and we are uh, a little bit slowly, a little bit slower than I would like, but still methodically moving forward on those. So email, SEO, conversion, those sort of things, uh, and just moving them forward bit by bit. Uh, One of the things I did do this week, though, was uh, groom the backlog, as is a term of art in this industry. Uh, Basically, I cleaned it up. People say uh, groom the backlog? Yeah, it's a thing that project managers say all the time. Yeah, no, I got to spend a couple days grooming the backlog. Backlog grooming, that's my announcement. It does get unkempt. Yes, uh, it definitely does. And in this particular case, uh, I was actually kind of uh, thinking back to some of the discussions that you and I have had about the benefits of focus that you found on FormKeep. So you've kind of picked a topic, picked a thing that you were doing, really narrowed it down and said, this is what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So with that, we've been working for a long time with the uh, marketing group that we have been working with for, I'd say it's about six months now, a little bit longer than that. But when they first came to us, they give us this summary, this initial audit that described, like, here's here's what we see, outsider's perspective from an SEO conversion, et cetera, landscape. Here's a bunch of stuff that we think you should implement. And it's taken us a bunch of time, but we're starting to get towards the bottom of that list to get through all of those things. Thus far, they all seem to have worked out. We've seen some growth along the way that I think mostly can be 
be attributed to uh, implementing a lot of that and then some content and other things. They certainly don't want to give us none credit. Um, but the end is sort of in sight on that initial scope of work. So I tried to really narrow it down, focus in on that and say like, all right, what, what are the last things that we need to do before we can shift our focus? Mm -hmm. So the next thing, uh, just to look a little bit into the future that I do want to shift the focus onto is when a user signs up, what happens? Mm -hmm. So basically we've been almost exclusively focused on acquisition, on conversion rate optimization, search engine optimization, uh, building content, but specifically to kind of attract new users. Uh, so now I think the time is frankly a little bit overdue to switch it to the other side and say, uh, hey, new user, welcome to Upcase. Here's all the things we have. Let's focus on the emails. Let's focus on continuing to engage people past the first couple of weeks, uh, see if we can up lifetime value, up general happiness and uh, enjoyment of the product. So, so activation is what you're talking about? I don't know if it's worthwhile for me to narrow it down, but I'm actually viewing it as we've looked at everything to the left of someone buying it on the customer timeline. I'm yep. going to look at everything to the right. So okay. that's from initial onboarding, activation, uh, engagement, and retention. That's kind of the spectrum that I see existing there. Mm -hmm. Each of those are slightly distinct and probably worth a little bit of focus specifically, but overall that's what I'm imagining is lots of emails, lifecycle emails saying like, hey, you haven't logged in in a few days. We have that, but I think those emails can be improved. Or we have this feature, you should really use it. You should try out exercises if you haven't, or you should watch some old weekly iterations that are still great. We definitely see a spike in viewership right when a weekly iteration comes out, and then people kind of forget about them, which is sad because the old ones are great. Mm -hmm. uh, and old can be like three weeks ago in this case. So. Uh, so that's the future for now. Lots of little things. So some of the actual things that we did this week. There's a sign-in link on every page if you're signed out, as sites have. Uh, that takes you to a sign-in page where you can either click a GitHub button or you can fill in your uh, email password if that's how you're going about it. After signing in, you go to the practice page, the basically the general landing page. So whatever content you were looking at that you were then trying to access, you lost that. Uh. Turned out it was a super simple fix. I thought it was going to be a little more involved, but it was pretty easy. I just appended a return to path to that link whenever any page is rendered. So now you go back to the page that you wanted to. It's one of those subtle ones, though, that I think will uh, hopefully have a non-trivial benefit for a number of people. Uh, we send a lot of emails, so those mm -hmm. people that are in kind of the sampler segment, mm -hmm. uh, we send them an email saying, hey, we launched a new course, and they're on that page, and then they click sign in, and yeah. then they click another thing, that and sucks. now they're on the practice page, and they don't That's know. It's a pet peeve of mine. Yes. Uh, so a little thing, but got that done. Nice. The abandoned cart email sequence that I've been talking about, or actually it's it's basically narrowed down to just a single email at this point. Uh, so I got some responses, got uh, a conversion out of that, as well as I sent it to about 20 people. I think I got three or four responses and one conversion distinct from each other. So that's mm -hmm. a reasonably high interaction rate. Mm -hmm. Granted, it's only 20, so the sample size is pretty small. But the whole purpose, the, the way I structured that, was to be very personal and available. I wanted it to be clear that this was me, Chris, not just a thought botter, but Chris specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and I used language that was like, hey, I'm super happy to help. I want to understand what's going on here. Uh, and that's very sincere. I actually hope, I hope that it's going to you know, increase conversions. But I also hope that people do respond. If people have objections, I really want to hear them. Mm -hmm. Hey, I, I wanted to sign up with a team, but I couldn't find that page. Was that something you heard? No, okay. but it's those sort of things. Yeah. If I hear what, that. What did you get, by the way? 
Um, let's see. One was someone's in a foreign country that they're not allowed to spend U.S. dollars. Hmm. So that was a little bit weird. One was saying... North Korea? Uh, not North Korea, because I don't think they can get so much of the internet there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not. I'm actually, I'm blanking on what the other ones were. I think one was, you know, price. One was... Yeah, I'm not remembering now. But the hope is to get more of those. And none of them struck me as like, this is super interesting. Mm-hmm. But I could see that happening in the future. Yep. Uh, so the personal nature of it seemed to work. So I stuck with the particular subject line and the fact that it's from me and those sort of things. But now that's automated. That's going out to everybody that signs in on the checkout and then does not complete the subscription process. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Uh, we also just launched the uh, blooper page for advanced active record querying. Mm-hmm. Fun little thing. But again, this is the idea of pulling everything back within the app, having the ability to show things for free. I really, as much as possible, whenever I'm talking about anything Upcase related, I want that to be in Upcase. I want to be able to put a CTA on there and say like, and also, if you haven't checked out the course, check out the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's live. We're going to be tweeting about that. I don't know. It might have actually gone out already. But um, just another way to talk about things and another... Now that we've done this once, presuming it it's not terrible, which I can't imagine it would be, this is very easy to repeat for each of the other courses. Hmm. Uh, so that's the idea, trying to get a little more systematic. And while building it, uh, there were some design elements that we were able to copy over and borrow from other conversion-related work. So it is, again, feeling like we're kind of honing in on the things that work and figuring out things that work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all good. For the next... I wish I knew exactly how long this period will be. It's going to be more of the same, kind of just checking off a few more of these sorts of items. Like right now, we don't really link to the weekly iteration. If you're a signed out user, you can go to an individual video, but we don't have a big link that says the weekly iteration is this great thing that we do every week. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of uh, little things like that, but I'm hoping to be through those in, and at this point, I'm going to refuse to commit to anything uh, on a podcast, but soon, mm-hmm. and then be able to transition over to the you know the next side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's most of what's going on in terms of stuff we did. Uh, so see. that focus on the post sign up phase, I think, sounds good. Although it still sounds a little broad. Like it sounds like it would it would might benefit you to to pick a smaller slice of time, um, and also I would encourage you to pick a metric that you're going to look at. Yeah, so definitely part of the work associated with that is understanding that world better. So uh, right now, it would be hard for me to tell you if anything was working, uh, even just picking a metric. I'm not sure whether we're tracking everything we need to. We, we definitely have information. Intercom has some things around this. Amplitude, which is our, um, I don't know, what's the term? Analytics. Analytics, yeah. Platform. Analytics, aggregation, uh, what have you. Um, So definitely going to be looking into them and trying to find, they particularly, Amplitude, has a cohort churn graphing comparison tool that looks Mm -hmm. very intriguing. Mm -hmm. But part of the work associated with shifting my focus to that side is to figure out how exactly do I measure this? And I think you're probably right that enhanced focus in that will make sense. Like I said, I listed like four distinct things and even said these seem like kind of distinct things. Uh, But if nothing else, the idea of switching from the left side to the right side that I'm very clear on. Beyond that, there's some work to figure out what that's going to mean. And uh, like I said, we've been kind of working off of a, a scope of work for the past six months that was relatively defined and that we've stayed pretty close to. Mm-hmm. There's a similar probably body of work to define, okay, what are all the things we could do and then hone in on some of them? Mm-hmm. So I think there's probably a day or two of making a big list and then for the next month, focus on a subset of that big list, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it would also be good to have that list come out of people, like interactions with your customers. 
that definitely fits within kind of continuously in that space. Mm -hmm. I think I should be talking to customers. Yeah. I said that a few times on the podcast and yet to do it, but uh -huh. I think this time, this time I definitely will do it. Because I, I remember when I was working on Upcase, we got the feedback a lot that the first couple times people would come to Upcase, they would sometimes feel overwhelmed, over overwhelmed. Um, and it was sort of like the first run experience was like, okay, you signed up. Boy, there's a lot here. Um, I should come back to this at some point. Yes. Uh, so I, I mean, I know we got that feed, that feedback at least. So that, that that would definitely be one area I would look at. And I want to I'll touch on this a little bit more when I talk about the conference thing because we talked a lot about onboarding. So yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot that I need to figure out and kind of learn in that space. I feel relatively good about my body of knowledge and my ability to implement on all of the acquisition side stuff. Mm -hmm. Now this is going to be it's kind of a whole new set of things. So I'm excited to get into it. Uh, I think there's a ton of work there. By no means do I think this will be a couple days and I'm done. Uh, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to entirely ignore the other, the acquisition side, but mm. we've put very minimal effort on the, you know, the post acquisition side. So mm. some of that. You do have um, a somewhat unenviable position of needing to work on the app and then also keeping the content pipeline going. Yeah, content's kind of uh, continuous. I've been getting a little bit, I'm, I'm happy with the work that we've done lately to outsource that to a certain degree, to keep things moving. Right now we have, frankly, too much recorded. Hmm. Uh, we, uh, our, our lovely producer, Tom, hi Tom, has a lot of other things. So there's some stuff and there's a schedule that I'm trying to hit. Tom is able to hit that. Uh, but just barely. So we have more recorded now that'll cover like the next two months of releases. So I'm in no hurry to set up the next recording really. And mm. actually Gabe's going to be coming to Boston for a recording session. So I actually have the next one scheduled. Mm. So we're doing pretty well on that. Stuff's mm -hmm. moving much more than it has historically. But I think you were highlighting a moment ago the idea of people show up and they get a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, and I've actually heard that sort of continuously. People finish something they're like, I don't, I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. um, so... It's been something that's been kind of poking at the back of my head for a long time, but thinking about how all of the content fits together. How mm -hmm. do we help welcome someone into this big mess of content that we have? Mm -hmm. How do we help guide them through it? How do we help them figure out what's next, what they know, what they don't? So all of that kind of fits into the work that's coming. Mm -hmm. But content will sort of parallel any work that we're doing, either before or after acquisition, really, whatever that is. Yeah. I have a hunch there's some gold in the uh, onboarding hills there for you. <laughs> Yeah. Like the, the basic structure of like the course listing hasn't changed in a long time. And mm -hmm. I think it could definitely use, uh, people could use more guidance than they're getting. Yep. I am excited to dive into that. Cool. So let's see, to quickly answer some of the questions. Uh, and for those of you out there who have responded, thank you for your responses. We've sort of decided to integrate the questions back into the broader conversation. These are the questions that were typically at the end. Um, but to answer some things better for subscribers, I think that sign-in link and some content releases have improved it. Uh, more subscribers, we've got some emails going out and some uh, conversion rate stuff that's fallen in. Did well and did poorly are two that kind of go hand in hand, I think. Uh, there were a couple of things where both Gabe and I just got stuck. And Gabe is in San Francisco and I am here. And I think both of us just kind of got into a place where stuff was stuck longer than it should have been. Mm. Um, but so one of the things that we purposefully did this week, we were chatting and we we're like, you know what, we should, we should pair. We haven't really paired. Uh, so on Tuesday we did that. Uh, it was a little tricky because the internet is complicated, but mm -hmm. uh, we got it to work and found that to be just extremely valuable. Just getting someone else 
to talk about something is great. Mm -hmm. So we have scheduled now a recurring pairing session on Monday and Wednesday mm. every week. So we're kind of going to lean into that. Nice. Similarly, I was stuck on some of the ideas around the email sequences that I'm working on and how they relate to each other and other things. And it was kind of just spinning my wheels on those. Uh, but I decided what I needed was just to talk to someone. So I called up our marketing team. I was just like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. I'm a little bit confused about this and this. And we're able to talk through it and get to a simpler, pretty clear endpoint. And so again, it was just an example of recognizing one of those stuck points and reaching out, um, just rubber ducking, talking it out, mm -hmm. or pairing in the case of uh, working with Gabe. So really happy with that. Let's see, money. Uh, we're up uh, just a little bit. We're up to uh, $187 from last week. We're at uh, an MRR of 35139 Uh So that's good. It's going up. Uh, I've had an interesting uh, sequence of thoughts around that recently. I was listening to a recent Startups for the Rest of Us episode where they talk about the long, slow SaaS ramp of death, mm -hmm. uh, which is a talk by uh, the founder of Constant Contact. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Gail her something. Yeah, Gail. Goodman? Gail Goodman? Sounds about right. Uh, but basically, it's this idea that SaaS is this wonderful kind of continuous stream of revenue when you can get there, but it's this slow buildup. Uh, so one of the things that I did just today, actually, I took a step back and I was like, yeah, it's, it's moving along slowly. I mean, I guess I'm happy. It's growing. But what I did was I looked at the last six months and uh, I had to remember a little bit of uh, geometry in order to calculate this. But I looked at we've been growing at this pace and it's been six months. What does that account like? How many extra dollars do we have than had we not grown hmm. even at this relatively slow ish pace? And it turns out in this particular case, it's $21,000. So there's $21,000 more in a bank account somewhere than we would have had otherwise. So even though it's this kind of slow plodding along thing, looking at $187 is the number that I'm associating with this week, mm -hmm. but it's 187 recurring on top of previous recurring wins. So that was just a little mental game that I played with myself to uh, be a little bit happier about the fact that we are growing and sort of consistently and, and have maintained that. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's also a great episode of uh, Startups for the Rest of Us. If anyone out there uh, isn't a listener, recommend that. I think it would be good for us to do at some point a um, more focus, maybe even a whole episode on talking about MRR percentages and goals and all that and kind of figure out like what what are we happy with, where we think we should be or could be, and, and what we need to get there. I think that would be a useful exercise. That's Maybe a useful exercise, perhaps as a podcast episode. I don't know. I feel I have no idea what that would sound like. I guess is my answer. Yeah, I don't know. I drew a green line in my graph. I picked random numbers. Uh -huh. They were fun. I picked round numbers and round dates, and then I drew a line between them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's actually been vague. I mean, it was informed by some of the things in the past. I think that's a key thing. Historically, I've seen uh, a lot of companies throw around. Well, you know what? But the next quarter, we need to grow by ten percent. Mm -hmm. But you've been growing at none percent. You've been stable. You haven't lost, but you've been growing at none percent, and you want to jump to 10. That's not really realistic. And then when you miss that, that's sad. It's mm -hmm. not a happy moment. And then you try that again. You're like, okay, but this month, definitely need to grow at that. And what's been valuable for me is I've taken kind of historical trends and said, all right, I need to continue that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, because there is growth there, that, that seemed like a reasonable thing and mm -hmm. was also achievable. But now I want to kind of slowly grow. It's this, the idea of like habit stacking or things like that. Mm -hmm. Don't try and do change everything in your life at once. Start with something, build on that, build on that, build on that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's reasonable to pick a percentage growth rate because to continue to grow at the same, I guess, are, are you, is that what you meant when you said like the, to grow at the same amount did you, or did you mean dollar amount? Uh, right now it is a dollar amount that is uh, what I am looking at. Yep. 
I think it's reasonable to, be, to pick some percentage, some percentage and say, we're going to get better at growing over time. Like We're going to continue to grow, and we're also going to get better at growing that to make up the additional percentage each month. Um, so it's interesting. For something that has inherent virality or inherent uh, kind of network effects within it, I can see that. So like Facebook needs to grow like that because what happens is, is you get on there, and then you tell your friends, and then they all get on there. So the number of users causes it to grow faster mm -hmm. versus something like Upcase. And Upcase is actually kind of on the line here, but we're picking up new customers, but they're not necessarily bringing us more new customers. They might talk at user groups and things like that, but roughly we have a semi-constant growth rate. And if anything, from a percentage perspective, we'll be going down over time. Right. But shouldn't we get better at growing these things over time? Like, wouldn't it be reasonable to say six months from now, you should be 5% better at getting new people on the top of the funnel and 5% better at turning them into long-term customers. Therefore, we should have, you know, some some percentage growth over that time. That does sound good. <laughs> That's all I've got on that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think there there are inherent mathematical realities to that, like I was saying about like Facebook and things like that. There's also the ideas of, yeah, you do want to be improving. You want to be getting better at these things. But at the same time, you might have taken care of some of the low-hanging fruit, the more accessible wins. And so now, in order to eke out that next 2%, it's actually that much harder because, frankly, you've optimized on all of these different fronts. Your content is right and light. Like, it actually gets harder over time. Oh, totally. Even if you're getting better, that might still align with a constant growth rate. And maybe this is me just being conservative, and this is, again, a place where the mathematical average of our two points of view is the correct one, but... I'm concerned, again, about just throwing it out there. Well, we, we should be better. So that's the, the target that we're going to put out there. I love that idea, but... Yeah, my goal is to pretty soon, once I have a, a picture of what our numbers look like after the pricing change, is to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to figure out how to grow this thing at X percent for a while and try, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sold on that as an approach. I mean, if you want to do that, I fully support you doing that. I would think... Let's pick something for a month. It's pretty close to where we're at. And then let's try and beat it. And if we beat it, then that's the new line. We, we raise the bar. That's how much we have to be doing. And then if we beat that, we raise that bar. But if you pick something that's six months out and you say, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure out the way to do it, mm -hmm. I think you're setting yourself up for possibly very unhappy circumstances. Yeah, it could be. I think I'd rather try to draw... I mean, just my, just personality-wise, I think I'd probably rather like aim a little high and then kind of like, oh, I didn't quite get there, just for my own like motivation purposes. Yeah, if that works. Especially like Formkeep at five k a month, I I feel like should and and kind of needs to grow faster. Right. Like Upcase is a little more established. You're a little more saturated, I would say, like in the in the world. But Upcase is a fairly small and unknown product relatively to to other, relative to things. I would say mm -hmm. has good potential in it. So, yeah, we'll figure it out. We will. So, I want to start an airline. All right. Ben went to a conference, came back with, I want to start an airline. Well, I, I flew on an airplane, specifically. And so you were unhappy, and therefore you want to start an airline because airlines are terrible? Yeah, because it's very clear to me what we need to do here. I heard for the first time they're actually profitable. Like, historically, airlines have never been profitable. They mostly just go bankrupt, and then they merge, and then they do things like that. But no one's really ever been able to run a profit hmm. until recently when all of the fees and things just yeah. went crazy. And we should think about fees for our products. <laughs> I want there to a be jet a jet fuel fee. I think I might start implementing a support fee. <laughs> Every time you email me, I'm going to charge you money. 
Especially if you're is not that really what the nice. Dalai Lama would do. If you're, <laughs> yes, it costs money to talk to the Dalai Lama. <laughs> a lot, actually, probably. He doesn't get it, or he gives it to someone else, but it still costs a lot. So I have a couple rules for my airline. Okay, what do you got? It's a slightly different business model. So there are no rolly bags. You may not roll a suitcase with wheels onto the plane. Okay. You can bring on as much luggage as you can carry on your back. Okay. So if you can put it on a backpack, that's fine. Actually, no, it has to be a small backpack. But you definitely can't bring something that you need to wheel if you can't lift it over your head in particular. Sorry about your... So what are we doing with all that overhead bin space? Oh, there's no overhead bins. What happens with that space? They go away. So there's just open space It's for me to stand without ducking. No, no, but there's no overhead bins because those just slow everything down. They make everything worse. Mm -hmm. People can't lift stuff onto them. It loads the plane slower. I don't like them, most importantly. Okay. So there's no bins. So that's fine because you can't roll anything on there. So mostly you have a small backpack that you put by your feet. Uh Uh-huh. I can tell you're with me so far, (laughs) so I'll continue. No one's ever been more with anyone. Uh, This is how we're going to solve the airline problem. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Ben's also, airline. I do want to be clear right now. You're only describing Ben's airline. Well, all right. Everyone gets annoyed getting on a plane. This but. is the yeah. This is this is my airline. Uh, there's no safety briefing. If you don't know how to buckle your seatbelt, there's a little card. I feel like that's seat. one you'd have to fight at a legal level. I don't think anyone else wants to do it. Yeah, it's probably true. But I'm in Fantasyland. Okay. So there's no safety briefing. There's no actually announcements of any kind. Unless the plane is crashing. Okay. There's I love like, that you're actually reading a list right now. Yeah, I made a list on the plane probably. <laughs> no, just before the, the podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there's no there's no announcements allowed at all, and if anyone says at this time, they're fired immediately. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever, like listen for this? Like like flight attendants will go on the thing saying, "At this time, we would like you to something some something at this time." In the airline industry, that's their favorite phrase. Also, bye bye. There's also no TVs. That's there's, an interesting one. Yeah, because I find them distracting. You can't turn. Okay. Do you not find them distracting? If you're like sitting in like a row 19 and you can see like 60 to 90 televisions in front of you doesn't it drive you crazy no i'm watching the one television in front of me that i'm really happy is there because otherwise i'm sitting in a steel tube uh, I, aluminum I, tube flying i turn my brightness air. down to zero so it goes off but then there's still like 79 televisions in my sight so like i try to read stuff sure or like listen to things but there's just all this flickering yeah i know that highbrow approach where you're reading stuff give that up and then just watch the one tv in front of you and then it's easy yeah there's no wi-fi either or children wow yeah don't you don't you want to fly on this airline though, kinda? No, not at all. You really don't? None amount. It would load so fast, it'd be so peaceful. You'd be like you'd arrive at your destination like blissed out. You could meditate the whole time. It's odd to me that you didn't even mention the spacing between seats. Um yeah. Because you're tall. That's true. I get the extra space stuff and it's usually and that's enough for fine-ish. You? Okay. That's fine-ish. But yeah. Alright, so that's my that's my airline. That's your pitch. All yeah. right. So Ben, you went to a conference. How'd I did. that go? Uh, the conference was awesome. So it was MicroConf, which is in Vegas, and uh, it was a really good experience. I was expecting it to be good. It was good. Um, Rob and Mike, the creators of it, mm-hmm. have definitely created it in their image. So it is very helpful and humble and useful. Like coming from the stage and also from the attendees, there's like just egoless is kind of how I would describe mm. it. People are very honest and open. So there were a number of talks about like, here are all the ways I screwed up. Mm-hmm. Like, and this guy's like, well, we, we recently hit, the, like this, this CEO of a software company came up. He's like, we recently hit 12 million in annual revenue. Like we're incredibly pumped about it. That's so cool. And then he talked for about an hour about like how bad he is as a CEO. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, and just like all his mistakes and all these terrible things he did. And just, it was, oh, I love that brutal honesty. It was really refreshing. Yeah. It was nice to see. The idea of a conference uh, without ego is intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very intriguing actually, because I think inherently, especially when you have speakers and, 
that's surprising that they're able to pull that off, but also great and, and sounds awesome. Yeah, they had a couple speakers that were like that, um, and it was it was nice. I gave a talk, gave an attendee talk, mm-hmm. which uh, went really well. It was 12 minutes, which, by the way, is a great talk length. Yep. That's how long all the flights on my airline will be. Um, no, it's so the, that was like actually my only complaint about the comments really was that the talk slots for the full talks were an hour long. Mm. That's a lot. That is. That's really hard. To, and like you could tell, like if you look around the room at like minute 35, yep. everyone's on their laptop. Like you got like 15 to 20 percent of the audience actually actively paying attention by that point. Right. Um, but other than that, it's good. Enjoy giving my talk. Uh, biggest takeaway was around onboarding. Hmm. So I gave a talk that was actually about onboarding. It was about concierge onboarding. But so I was like, especially watching for this. But almost every speaker mentioned it at some point and how important it was. And in particular, two people st- stood out. One was Des Trainer from Intercom gave a talk, mm-hmm. and he said, after making your product really good, onboarding is the highest leverage thing that you can focus on because it's the only thing in your app that all of your users do. Yep. Which I thought was a really great point. And then uh, Patrick Collison from Stripe was there, CEO of Stripe, mm-hmm. uh, got to the little Q&A period. And he Which is talk- interesting at MicroConf. I get why they're there because you know that's the audience that they want to capture. But from the standpoint of Stripe, is, is not micro by any means. No, no, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly venture-backed, but you kind of need to be in that to do what they did. Yes. But he brought up the, he was talking about the origin story of Stripe. And Stripe, before they launched to the public, when they were, they were in a closed beta for two years where they were just insanely involved with like watching people use their product and getting feedback and iterating. How did they get away with that from a venture? Were they venture-backed at that point? Or I think did they, they have? Yeah, they were already, I believe. Because that that's, happened not very long into the pr- company, and then they spent a long time in a closed beta. That's amazing. Yeah, and Patrick was saying that for a long time, all of the requests that were made to the Stripe API generated an email to his email inbox and his right. brother's email, email inbox. Yep. So they were like watching like live requests happening all the time. And they were just like obsessed with like getting feedback. And they embedded at the bottom of their pages like the worst thing about this page is dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. a little little form on the bottom. And he even said from the stage, he's like, by the way, I'm here to get feedback. So like please, if you have complaints or like want things, like tell me. And he, and he tweeted later that he left with like a few pages of notes on like what should change or like what Stripe should do. It was very striking how like the most successful companies were like, oh, oh, Intercom, by the way, has an onboarding team. Yeah. And they just like continually sign up for the product. Yep. And make sure that pro- that like that experience is successful. Apparently, they never had to choose the pricing for their product because holy crap, that's so complicated. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's interesting how like these very successful companies seem to be very obsessed with this yep. and like talking to their users and watching them use the product. And the smaller people are also saying the same. Like everyone's saying this. Right. And it really just hammered it home for me. Yeah. Not that I don't intend to do this, but I do wonder if Upcase is somewhat unique or if things like Upcase are somewhat unique um, in that if you get someone onboarded really well into Intercom, then they can be a user for the life of their business. Mm-hmm. I think there's an inherent endpoint to anyone's uh, life within Upcase, at least with the current structure. Mm-hmm. So when are you change the pricing model? Uh, after I talk to some users to <laughs> find out what the problem is. But I... I so there's definitely an applicability of this to me, and there's tons to you. I think you're like with FormKeep right in the middle of onboarding, getting people using this, getting them getting value out of it. The more that you can do that and the more quickly that you can do that, the better things are going to go. And in theory, maybe you get a customer for life out of that. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I think there's some discount rate of the truth of this for Upcase or sites like it, but I wonder how much 
I, maybe it's that it's 90% applicable and it's only like, well, 10%, you know what people are going to leave at some point, or maybe it's none, or maybe it's a bunch. I'm Why do sure. you think there's a discount to it? Uh, because I think there's an inherent lifespan, no matter what. But if it, but there must be some, I suspect there's some percentage of users that don't actually get started. They don't really yes. activate. Yeah, that's why I'm saying definitely there is an amount that this is applicable to me. And it might be that it is 100% applicable. Like it, there's no reason to think that Upcase is different than other more traditional SaaS apps. It might be that Upcase is, well, you know what, it, it's going to happen. This is kind of a guarantee for every user. There's a lifespan where they're going to uh, interact with content. I mean, we are producing new content regularly, so maybe I'm uh, confusing myself here, but... I don't think having a limited lifespan means there's less benefit to onboarding people effectively. When you say it like that, I agree. I, I guess the efficacy is more what I'm thinking. I mean, it depends on why people are leaving. Like, yep. if, if people are leaving because they've consumed all the content or some other reason, then maybe it is not as big a yeah. deal. But if there are some some group that just look at it once and get overwhelmed, yeah. which I bet there's a whole bunch, yep. uh, then it would be pretty important. Yeah. So I'm definitely sold on this being... Uh, I, I, frankly, this is not a super useful topic, so <laughs> okay, let's dive back into your stuff. Okay, MicroConf was great. Recommended for everyone. Uh, you should go next time. I should. Um, it was definitely useful. Had a lot of good conversations with people, as expected. Mm -hmm. As usual, the hallway track was awesome, and having dinner with people and hanging out and chatting. When did the attendee talks happen? Like in the life's they the happened. So there was a two-day conference. They happened on both days, half on the first day, half on the second. Did you talk on the first or the second day? Second, yeah. which is unfortunate. I would have liked yeah. to have done it early. Get that big introduction out of the way. Exactly. Yep. I mean, just to get it over with is one is one nice thing, just because then I can you know fully relax. Uh, but also people pay attention and they're like, oh, like that talk you gave. I want to talk to you about exactly, it. Exactly. And yeah. it's like, oh, and I wanted to have more of that for the more of the conference, but oh well. Yeah. But it, I was actually surprised at how dev heavy it was. There were a lot of Rubyists, a lot of Rubyists there. Really, I was expecting to kind of start from zero in terms of like who, who I know and who knows oh. me, but it was uh, not the case. There were a bunch of people like, "Hey, I saw you at RailsConf in 2000, whatever." Huh. Like, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I guess. Do you have a sense of what the average MicroConf attendee, where they are in their journey? Hmm. Are they? Uh, developers right now looking to move into the business world? Are they working as the CTO of a two-person mini startup thing? I mean, with the caveat that I only talked to so many people, a lot of people already seem to be on out on their own. So some of them had employees, some of them were solo, like freelancing people, some of them were solo um, info product uh, empire type people. Uh, but a number of them were like, oh yeah, I have, I talked to this guy that I don't know how much I should keep this anonymous. I talked to someone and he was like this very unassuming guy and we were chatting for a little bit and like he makes this product. And I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. And he's like, yeah, it's actually pretty popular. And I was like, oh, like how? And he's like, we, we have had a million customers. And I was like, oh. <laughs> that's big. That's yeah, a big number. so there's there's definitely a whole range of, of things going on yeah. there. I love the the idea of it's micro, but that still actually gives you a lot of room to move. And I, I don't know if they actually have any sort of definitions around what micro means. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the theme that tied things together was just more like self-funded. Right. And the micro part was more, I mean, there, there did seem to be a number of like one person things going on, but also plenty that were bigger than that. So, and I think also it's, MicroConf has been around for a while, and I think the attendees, I know the, uh, many of the attendees have had their businesses grow over time. Oh, yeah. And so people but start off. they still off, want to be in that community. Exactly, because yeah. the community is great. So they start off, and they don't have anything, and the next year they have an info product, and the next year they have a SaaS app, and now they have four employees, and now it's like so. And frankly, my take on that, uh, on that world is 
everything that they're saying is probably applicable to VC funded things just at a bigger scale. Mostly they're thinking about the same things. They're thinking about onboarding. It's not like Intercom's not onboarding, but they are a VC backed company. Yep. Uh, and Even more so as of today. Exactly. Um, so I can see the idea of non bootstrapped folks wanting to stay in that conversation or being like, you know, this is just an interesting group of people talking about an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. I appreciated the community when I was there. It mm-hmm. seemed really solid, and so I, I got why people were, were into it. Did you join any new Slack communities? <sighs> um, there was a microconf Slack community. I haven't... Have I joined? No, I have no new ones, although okay. I'm still at like six or something. Healthy. Or yeah. So that was microconf. Any other talks stand out? Anything else? Uh, yes. Lars Lofgren gave a really good talk. He used to be, at like I think, head of growth at Kissmetrics, and now mm-hmm. he works for I Will Teach You To Be Rich, that guy. Yep. Um, Ramit Sethi. Yeah, 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 yeah. And gave a really good talk. And it was nice because, so they recorded it. It's, it'll be out eventually. I, mean, I don't think we can link to it because I, I don't suspect it'll be published by the time we do this. Were all of the talks recorded? They seem to be. Oh, nice. But it was nice and um, tactical, where he was like, if you're making this much money and your churn is this, you need to focus on this. Mm. Um, and Sandy Metz's his rules, but for business automation. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was great. Yeah. I, I actually wish there was more of that. Like, yes, this rule is oversimplified, but just follow it and you'll get it roughly right. Yep. But he was all about low churn. It's like if your churn's up above ten percent, or actually had some crazy low numbers, and everyone was like, "Huh." <laughs> you could just sort of feel the audience being like, "Uh, interesting." Like his target was like two or three percent monthly churn. It was like, mm. he's like, if it's above that, like you you need to like go fix that first with like onboarding and and making sure your product market fit is correct and all that. And it's like, right. uh, okay, well we'll shoot for that and see if we can get there. Yeah. But yeah, that was a, that was a standout talk. I wish there were more. I would take oversimplified advice that's basically good over the perfect advice that's really complicated. Perfect is the enemy of the good. Yeah. I think sometimes people, especially like uh, analytical types, want to give you the exactly correct advice yep. at the expense of how understandable or implementable it is. Yep. I feel like this is like one of the things that like Tim Ferriss is good at not doing. He's like, here's do this thing. I know it's like it's not exactly perfect, but it's really simple, and it will stick in your head, and you know this will get you part of the like eighty percent of the way there. Yeah, and I think additionally thinking of those sort of tactics as starting points rather than totally. the forever uh, value. The corollary to that that I've experienced is I'll notice a tendency towards the more measurable. Mm. If I have two options and one is more measurable, but if I were to guess, probably slightly less effective, and the other is more effective but a little harder to measure. I'll tend towards the thing that is more measurable. And this is in things like um, quantified self and those sort of things. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know exactly how many steps. Well, if I have my phone on me 100% of the time, but I hate taking phones on runs, I should probably just go on a run and leave the phone at home. Those kind of, I, I notice that happening in my head and tell that voice to shut up because it's a dumb voice. Hmm. Uh, but the same sort of things I think apply there um, and watching out for those, those sort of things. Yeah. I think there are definitely like qualitative approaches that will yield you really good results. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so I was talking about concierge onboarding. You can you can A/B test a certain page of your flow, but if you just watch three people go through it, you'll realize that everyone has the same objection, right. and the real problem is that they have the same question that you're just not answering. Yep. Um, so I think there are times where it's like just talk to people and see what's up. Like, you seem anxious about this decision. What's wrong? Well, I don't know if I can change this later. Oh, okay. Well, let's we can yeah help you fix that kind of thing. Yeah, so FormKeep. Uh, not a ton of stuff happening this week because I was on the road, mm-hmm. but uh, I have been sending out more of the grandfathering emails. Right. I sent another, another couple thousand today. 
I got some good feedback from you actually, and you made me reread it with some like fresh eyes. And it was like it kind of it definitely sounded like so you didn't have an active subscription, yes. and the way the email was written made it sound like you will be paying this amount. It did soon. sound like that, and it probably even <laughs> said that exact those exact words. Yeah, I mean, I, it was relatively clear in my head because I've never given a credit card to FormKeep, right. but still, yeah. So it yeah. was, and that's basically a bug. We just it just like it, it read wrong, um, and so I pushed some changes just after that uh, when I sort of re looked at it, which is like if you did want to activate you would be at this point right and there's like a number of things too it was like the subject of the, of the email was like your form keep pricing is changing mm-hmm. which is true if you want to if you were subscribed <laughs> or the like, pricing options available to you have changed yeah so it was, yeah. Like, it was just like a, there are three or four sentences total that were like it really sounds like you're going to charge me even though you don't have a card and people yeah. and so i got you you said something and some people sent me some emails being like wtf <laughs> and so i was like oh right so that's fixed now so was that a bug in the audience segmenting um, no, it was it was like a pros bug. Okay. So we have like a if you're an active pros subscriber, bug. say this, else say that, and the say that part was not like different enough to make it clear that like like one sentence was outside the conditional. So it oh, was, it literally was a bug in the pros. I thought you were referring to you typed things wrong as a pros bug, <laughs> which I really liked that. And yeah, that was, a, was uh, a, but it was in the like liquid templating sort of basically yeah. like one. Yeah, there was a thing that should have been inside the conditional so that you didn't see it if you gotcha. weren't a subscriber. There was a sentence that I had copied from the others. I think it must have been copied, and yeah. it just like said, "You will then pay this," as opposed to, "If you subscribe, you will pay this." Right, kind of thing. So uh, a rightful amount of confusion, mm-hmm. but fixed now. Well, so it sounds like though you were using largely the same email to those two different segments, but doing some conditional work within that. Right. Uh, did you consider instead actually splitting it, segmenting those into? You've never paid, but you have poked around on FormKeep. You are a paying customer. Paying customer needs. I think a very different message, which is you're grandfathered in for now, but in three months it's going to change. You should know that. Mm-hmm. Versus the other audience, it's basically another sales touch point for them. Hey, we've changed it. We think this will be beneficial if you're at a larger point, whatever. But treating it as a, a sales thing rather than here is almost a bookkeeping uh, yeah. summary. The emails are pretty different. Like the bulk of the email is in the conditional now mm-hmm. uh, that splits on if you're a subscriber or not. The, the reason I need to... So I, I actually wanted to not email people that weren't subscribers. One of the speakers, it might have been Lars even, was like, people often ask me, like, how do we contact our inactive accounts and get them to become more active? And he says, don't contact them because when you do, they will cancel. He's like, he's like I've seen people implement these like campaigns before where they try to go after their like dormant accounts and yep. it always spikes churn. <laughs> and our churn is twice what it was last month. <laughs> and I think it's partly because I'm emailing a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah. Like yeah, we're just sort of touching all these like inactive people. So I would love to just not email a bunch of these people. But the thing is, we're getting rid of sandbox forms, so you can. Yeah, there you, are some you people need to talk to people. This right. is a, a big transition point for form keep. Right. So there are people that could have never subscribed, but also are, and are keeping their form in sandbox mode. But still, it gets it gives them enough value that that's how they use it, and that's going to go away. So I do need to. Uh, some, that's what the the other half of that conditional says gotcha. now. Like this probably doesn't affect you, but if you are using a sandbox form. They're going away. You got to have to subscribe. If you do subscribe, it'll cost you that. Sandbox form was where you would only get the like most recent three entries or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you could keep submitting entries too. You could only ever see the, like the most recent five, which actually, and but also it like would continue to send the emails. Like it would send it would send you an email for every entry, which for most people is kind of like actually enough. Yep. It wasn't sandboxed enough, which is part <laughs> of the problem with it. One of its several problems. Yep. So, the, but fortunately, that's going away soon. Goodbye. Fortunately, fortunately for me, and unfortunately for some people that were kind of using the free version. 
keep raising the price, keep taking away stuff. Yeah, it's been interesting. It's So I'm causing some churn by emailing people, which is yep. a little bit of a bummer. Uh, some people's responses are like, whoa, really? Like, delete my account. I'm not interested kind of thing. So that's yeah. like a, a little bit of a bummer. Although I am getting some nice emails too. It's like, this is a great product. I'm happy to pay more. I was like, oh my God, I love you. Like, I could hug you. <laughs> you don't have to pay the tax to email me today. <laughs> that should be a field on the support page just to say, are you uh, happy or sad right now? <laughs> and if it's happy, you can email me. If it's sad, it's like, sorry, support requests are $29 a piece. Or it's your job to make them happy. No, it totally is. I'm just whining. Yeah. Um, I think it's Atlassian. Atlassian has this like mentality of like every support request is a bug. It should go in the issue tracker if someone needs to email support. Have you used Jira? Uh, no. <laughs> that um, makes sense. That that sounds like their model. They have a very positive vibe to them. Yeah, and so I want to like adopt that mentality at some point and like maybe do a week or two that's just about like what are our most common support or like maybe just start throwing them in Trello honestly as like bug user emailed Ben about this thing which is on the the FAQ or like you know like something that like they should have been able to do for themselves or like something that we could do to make them not need to email us for some reason does I think are really good candidates to just fix just because it takes time to do the support queue and it's a pain yeah well, you probably have a, a big back catalog of them, so you could just sit down one day and uh, tag a thousand of them and figure it out from there. Thousands of high number, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So the we had talked. I think you and I had talked about how like we've done. I've done some work on the pricing side, and we're getting a good amount of trials. Things mm-hmm. looking good, and so I think we're getting enough at the top of the funnel that the thing right now is to actually take my own advice and focus on the onboarding and, and the advice of people that have built really successful SaaS apps. Um, because as you have pointed out in one episode previously, which was really good, by the way, the experience like after you like create your first form of mm-hmm. like, how do we now integrate this form? Yeah. Is it just like, how about, how about a giant page of text? And all the, uh, cons- all the, like the manual onboarding I've done has basically said, no one reads giant pages of text, no. so don't ever use them. Uh, so we need some sort of like better next steps. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where my focus is going to be, uh, starting next week is, uh, running some people through it manually and like seeing what's going on. Uh, and coming up with some better ideas. How are you getting the people to work with and go through, like you're arranging Skype calls with person X. How are you reaching out and finding them? Are you just tapping into your customer base or? Um, so the the context of this was like briefs. Uh, where, um, so we onboard everyone manually still. Right. So when you actually want to sign up for it, you drop an email in a thing and then we contact you and schedule a thing using like Calendly mm-hmm. just to pick a time. Um, so for FormKey, I, I was actually thinking I might try a weighted AB split so like maybe 20% of people that hit the sign up page get like the, hey, click here to schedule a concierge onboarding with Ben right. kind of thing. And that way we're not like totally trashing the number of trials that are coming in, but I'm still interacting with some percentage of people chosen yep. at random. Uh, I think something like that could, could work well. Because once they have already signed up, it's too late. Yes. You, you've lost that chance to get that, to see what their first impressions were. The first run, the blank slate, is that the one? Yeah. Yep. Blank slate. Um, but also, I just need to do some more general talking to people, I think. Mm-hmm. One of my to-dos I have for myself is to look at what kind of businesses are on the highest plans. Like, who are who are our like, highest paying customers currently? Right. Because they're going to have different needs and who wants and, and why? desires. Right. Well, I guess why is known now because it's related to form count. But I wonder, again, we've talked about this a bunch of times, but segmenting on different things, on features and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'd love for our onboarding to be nicely tailored towards the best people that we want mm-hmm. or to like at least have good options for those people. So I want to gather some people at random and also like go explicitly after some of the better people that are like finding us really valuable and right. sort of meld that together into a, a better onboarding flow. That sounds good. Yeah. So uh, big question, Ben. Yes. It's uh, been a little more than two weeks. Uh-huh. How's it going? It's going well. Um, so I'll admit I peaked. Oh, yeah? It's looking good. 
it is looking good. Um, so you can see the dip in the thing where it's we fun. where the two weeks <laughs> happen, and then now it's peaking back. It's going back up. And real this, roller coaster ride. The slope looks good. The slope does look good. I don't know. Well, so do you have some deeper analysis? Can you run some? Uh, yeah, what, what can you tell? So, like, do you expect? I have that not slope done some continue? deeper analysis. I started the spreadsheet thing, but then I stopped paying attention to it. Um, <laughs> but I've glanced at the sort of like, hey, here are the, the new customers who actually converted right. list, and we are still converting a pretty like, a really good amount of customers from trials to right. paid. So you have a credit card up front trial still. You have not transitioned to the guarantee, or are you you're running the guarantee A/B test, right? Correct. Okay. And that just briefly is roughly even right now. Interesting. Uh, actually, well, the guarantee is down twenty percent, but we don't have enough confidence, honestly, because there's just not enough conversions in those buckets to say. Okay, that does sound. I mean, even if it's early, down twenty percent. Yeah, but we're talking like there's ten people in the okay. guarantee yeah, bucket, yeah, so no. it's really not worth. But even if even if that were say that were the final result, the guarantee would still be better, almost certainly, right? Uh, so the guarantee means everyone converts immediately. The trial means we probably lose half. Sure. At what number does that break? That's what we got to figure out at the end, yeah. end of the day. So it's inconclusive, but still looking positive to me. Right. Uh, so here's the interesting thing. Um, so the MRR is at 53.15, which is nice. We've kind of like reversed our thing and we're heading yeah. back up. You were at 54 as a high yeah, water? Yeah, 5,400. Yeah, 54 something was like the highest. And I think we'll, we'll get there pretty soon. Yep. Because of the two-week trial, we are actually for the next couple weeks still in a period where our MRR includes that time where we weren't billing any new customers new money. Does that make sense? Nope. So right around March 16th mm-hmm. or it was when we switched to the, the tiers. Yep. And then so from March 16th to the end of March, basically, we had no billing. Or so we, we weren't billing any, any new customers any, new any customers, money. Right. So it looks like MRR dropped a fair amount. That time period up until the end of March will be on the trailing month for another period of time for a few more weeks Does that makes sense so current uh, mrr looks at the last 30 days right within that block of 30 days includes a period of two weeks where we were not charging any new customers money is that actually true yes because i've always seen mrr calculations to be a, a dark art well you sound positive around that <laughs> idea and you sound confident in it as well so that sounds good <laughs> Okay, so two weeks ago, yep. we were still in that trough where none of the new people had gone through the trial yet. Right. Okay, so given that the MRR looks at the last four weeks, do you agree with that part? Not necessarily. I, I thought MRR was an instantaneous calculation. It's the gross volume from recurring revenue minus refunds. That's the official summary on bare metrics. Right. For and what So you're time saying period? the gross volume for recurring revenue is looking at the previous 30 days. Yep. That's what you, like, you said it in, yeah, it's trailing. So whenever someone new signs up, they show up on here immediately. They show up, well... So when someone transitions out of a trial, I would expect them to appear as MRR starting on that date. Correct. So I'm not sure what you're saying. I'm also not sure this is great radio. It might not be. But so let, let me state the world as, <laughs> as, as I believe it is. Let's do that. So when I tell you that the MRR for FormKeep is 5300 that means in the last 30 days, we have charged $5,300 to people's credit cards. Okay. Okay, so if two weeks ago I was charging zero people on that particular day, like, mm-hmm. all, like all my people were still in, tri- like all the new well, people were still in of trials. The new people, you were still charging old, correct? Yeah, yep. existing customers. But so like, there's a two week block where all of our new customers were not being charged anything, right? And so normally we would be charging people all, like adding people and charging them immediately, but we weren't. Won't that continue for as long as you have a trial? 
So there'll be just a new batch of people that you're not charging for the previous. Uh, no, because in a couple weeks that period. So there's a special there's a special period that happens when you first switch to okay a trial, right? Because you now have two weeks where no one that's new gets charged, right? Right now, two weeks after that, everyone that's <laughs> everyone that's new is also not getting charged, mm-hmm. but you are, are charging the people that signed up two weeks ago. You've I, caught up to the trial window. This I is... hear the words that you are saying, and there's a there's definitely a world in which you are completely correct. <laughs> Hands in I the air as world? we talk across. Yeah, no, you obviously believe this, and I will trust you. I, I if I had well, to choose right now whether you're right or my not actual idea is right, I would guess yours. Okay, so so but I don't know. I believe to to put this to bed. Yes, I believe that over the next several weeks, the period where we were not charging uh, new customers fall off the trailing 30-day window, mm-hmm. and our MRR will be uh, moving up briskly. You think there's a nice spike coming in the future? Uh, I think we're. I think it's already started. Cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. So, wow. I wonder if that can be edited into something interesting and useful. Godspeed, or maybe Tom you, maybe you poor listener, just listened to that whole thing, and Tom left it all in. Oh, I hope not. But so anyway, things are good, I think. Yeah, the the graph that I see is heartening, and I think it speaks to what you've been describing for the past few weeks. Like you, you think you've narrowed in on something, mm-hmm. and really, I mean, I think form keep can bear a much higher price point because you're targeting not individuals. You're yeah. targeting businesses, and that Definitely. just puts you in a fundamentally different place. And I think maybe that's the takeaway from all things ever talking about selling products online is sell to businesses. Yeah, I, I am noticing a trend where the people that are sending me the most like. WTF emails are like at gmail.com. Yep. And the people that are like at businessname.com are kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm just moving on with their day. Right. So. So. So I suspect next week I'll have even better news and then that will continue. I think we're on a new upslope, but we'll see. Uh, that was the plan. Hopefully this plan's coming to fruition. Yeah. And if I can do the guarantee thing, if it just proves to not be. If you can do the guarantee hit, thing, which I would expect just based on my own response to those sort of things. I would think that that's possible. I would think it would have the benefits that you're expecting. And then if you can transition and do some nice onboarding and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, I think there's there's some good stuff happening here. Yep. So my, my next week is actually going to be instrumentation. We're not actually sending the right mm-hmm. events anymore because we have yeah. a new funnel or a new signup flow. So the first thing is, like, okay, what percentage of people are getting from this screen to that screen and right. from trial to paid and all that, uh, instrumenting that, and then getting to work on it. Sounds fun. Yeah, I'm excited. This is the kind of like, this feels like the kind of blocking and tackling work that makes a good product and i'm excited to go after it blocking and tackling work i yeah. like it yeah nice analogy yeah it's the basics yep it's not the flashy stuff yeah it's the simple stuff cool yeah well this has been fun ben yeah people like the, the questions they do should we do i accidentally integrated them into the earlier part of the episode so you did you did it you did it subtly too if i didn't know what to listen for i would have noticed I, uh why yeah. is the product better than it was last week it's not really except that now we're not sending misleading emails to people uh, what have you done to acquire more customers since last week? I talked about FormKeep a bunch at MicroConf. I don't know if anything will come of it, but I guess that's the best I can say. Uh, what did we do well? Went to MicroConf. I guess, yeah. This is a, a week of MicroConf. Trying to hook up you know, with, with other smart entrepreneurs and running ideas by them and mm-hmm. paying attention and taking notes, I guess. Uh, less well. Um, I didn't bring a laptop to microconf just as like an experiment. I was like, maybe I'll just go, because I like to pack really light, as, yeah. be, as is probably clear from my, my airline. I think it's worth bringing a laptop. I got Seems one or two like support requests that came in, and I was like, "I wish I had a terminal right now." <laughs> and so I was like, "Joe, can you help me?" And so he did, and so it was fine. But it, that was the one thing I missed. Like I For could look at the intercom, I could in, I could message people and whatnot. But yeah. you were telling me about a terminal oh, you, on my you phone. You can get a terminal on your phone. Connects to Heroku, just via their API. Do I need SSH keys or something? 
I'm just signed into my Heroku something something. Sounds like maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I'm gonna bring a laptop. <laughs> Sounds like a better idea. Is the is the real thing? Uh, what do I hope to do ne- by next time? Yeah, onboarding, instrumentation for sure. Mm-hmm. Need to know who's doing it at what rate, and then start talking to people, watch some people do it live, and fix it, make it awesome. My MRR is fifty three fifteen. It's up some amount from last time. I forget what the last one was. It's down one percent from a month ago, but I suspect by the time next time we talk, it will be up from a month ago. Here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Uh, I think that's it. Cool. Cool. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 190. Thanks for listening.